Welcome everyone to the Menlo Minute. My name is Heather. And I'm Brooke. Great to have you all here. And we are coming at you today with all kinds of Christmas, all kinds of joy and merriment. It is the Christmas season. Do you have your Christmas stuff up? Oh yeah, for sure. We needed extra lights immediately for 2020. It's a little too dark. (laughs) Yes. Uh, At our house, we are on the quest to find the perfect Christmas movie this week. Um, We've already been watching them since before Thanksgiving. Totally. Not going to lie. Love Christmas movies. My house was called Blockbuster growing up because my parent, we just have a ton of movies. I love it. So with that in mind, we thought we would bring you guys some Christmas movie trivia. Yes. I love trivia and I love Christmas movies. Sounds perfect. Yeah. I love this game. Okay. So if you guys know the answer to our trivia questions, drop it in the chat right now. Uh, okay, Brooke, are you ready? Okay. I'm first. a girl of the 90s. So this first one is coming at you. Uh, it's a Home Alone. Okay, okay. ready. This is a softball. In Home Alone, where are the McAllisters going on vacation when they leave Kevin behind in Home Alone 1? In Home Alone 1? They're going to France? Yeah, I will take it Paris. Okay, yes. yeah. Because the neighbor kid says, have a good Bring time. me back something bring French. Me some, bring me back something French. That's it. Yep, that's, that's it. the one. There All right. Go. Got it. All right, yes. you're up. I'm ready. I'm oh, ready. okay. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 2000 okay. version with Jim Carrey. Got it. Okay. Where does How the Grinch Stole Christmas take place? How does it take place? This was kind of a hard one. I looked it up online. <laughs> uh, on a snowflake? Inside a snowflake. Okay. Wow. Okay, yes. you got that one. Yes. Wait, yeah, I, have yeah, a, yeah. I have a round two for the same movie. Okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. What does Cindy Lou Who give to Max, the Grinch's dog? It's food. It's food. Uh... And it's Dr. Seuss related. Uh, uh, a roast beast? No, plate of green eggs and ham. Oh, not a little good known. Easter egg in that movie. That's a hard one. I know. Okay, I didn't know okay, last one. All right, last one. Uh, in the movie A Christmas Story, yeah. what was the name of the neighbors whose dog ate the Christmas turkey? Buster. <laughs> You're really close. <laughs> Bumpuses. Bumpuses? Bumpuses. That's the dog's name? It's the oh neighbors who owns the dog. Oh, the neighbors. Yeah. The neighbor's name, not the dog's name. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. The yeah. Bumpuses are the neighbors, not the dog. Maybe their dog's name is Buster. I, do they say the dog's name? <laughs> Maybe. I Maybe no I got it right. Do you guys know? Put it in the chat. Put it Please. in the chat. Make sure we know the right yeah. thing. Google it for us. All right. Well, thanks for playing Christmas movie trivia with us. So fun. We love Christmas movies and we love Christmas here at Menlo. We have a countdown to Christmas drive through event happening December 12th at every campus, four to six. There's going to be decorations, I think some candy, maybe some hot Lots cocoa. Of treats. treats. Lots of sugar. Treats in general, sugar in general. I mean, it's Christmas. So you're going to drive through, see a bunch of cool stuff, get a little packet on your way out. It's going to have some fun stuff in there, including invite cards to our Christmas services. So you can invite your friends and family. They're going to be online this Christmas on the 23rd and 24th. And you can check out all the details on our website, menlo.church. We would love to see you there. And we would love for you to invite some friends. It's so easy. They don't even have to like... They don't have to leave their couch. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for the Menlo Minute. And we're going to kick it off to Matt to start our service. You know, Christmas is a time where we celebrate God coming to us, meeting us where we are. 
It's an amazing season and it's something we're very excited for. We want to do the same as a church. And so we've created some incredible online opportunities for you to attend this holiday season. We're going to have our Menlo Christmas special and our more traditional legacy service. We would love for you to attend one or both of these services. Also, it's never been easier to invite friends and family. And we've created digital invites on our website that you can send to them. People don't have to dress up. They don't even have to leave their house this year. So we would love to see you there. Additionally, we wanna to continue to say thank you so much for your generosity through giving. 2020 has been a challenging year. And as we round out the end of it, we're hoping that you'll consider Menlo Church in your year end giving. This year, we will be able to expand our online services on Sundays and additionally provide midweek engagement points for our students and kids. You can get all the information on what we're doing and where we're going at menlo.church give. Additionally, we hope that you'll consider giving to our year-end Christmas offering. 2020 has been a tough year, but this year in particular, we were able to allocate $440,000 to COVID-related initiatives. We were able to provide personal protective equipment to frontline workers, send groceries, food, and resources to families in need. If this is something that you'd like to be a part of, again, visit menlo.church give. Now, as we continue in our Advent series, you might notice we're doing something a bit different today. I'd like to hand things over to my favorite campus pastor, Matt Stefan. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul and he guides me along the right paths, all for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil so that my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is Psalm 23, a passage famous for its comfort, but it also holds the secret to a life well-lived. There's a key in this passage and it's a key that unlocks human life. It unlocks the Bible and it unlocks the meaning of Christmas. And that key is this. God wants to be with you. And with is maybe the most Christmas word of all. Psalm 23 captures the essence of this secret that God wants to be with you and you with him. And it captures it with these two poetic images, the good shepherd and a life without lack. It describes the life that Jesus intends for you and I, life under the care and guidance of this good shepherd. It describes a life without lack. Over the next several weeks, we're gonna live into this Christmas truth because the shepherd is with us. You and I can live a life that lacks nothing. Now a question, what is a life without lack? A life without lack means that in times of plenty, when we're resting in green pastures or by still waters, we know that it is God that has brought us there. But we also know, even in a life without lack, that those times of plenty aren't the only times. Even in a life without lack, there are lean times too. And in those times, 
We don't have to be afraid because in those times, the shepherd is with us. And this good shepherd is Jesus Christ. The book of John records Jesus as saying, simply but powerfully, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. A life without lack is life in the care of this good shepherd. And at Christmas time, we celebrate the arrival of this good shepherd into human history. Jesus will be born, the shepherd will arrive, and we can live lives without lack.
I love this song. And as we've been preparing for Advent, I've been listening to it on repeat. This season we're in, Christians call it Advent, and it's about awaiting the arrival of baby Jesus. But it's also about the bigger picture of awaiting the presence of God in our lives, that we will be dwelling with God, that that's his longing for us. And Advent captures this wondrous mystery of mysteries. The good shepherd who is with us, born as a baby at Christmas, is somehow also in Genesis chapter one, the God who speaks the universe into existence. They are the same. And every atom, every planet, every subatomic particle and every super giant star, this God not only made all of it, but made it all good. And at Christmas, we dwell upon the mystery, this God of cosmic power and overwhelming goodness became human, joined humanity in all its frailty. And even if you can't bring yourself to believe that this actually happened, you have to marvel at the literary and poetic power, this cosmic God of untold strength, joining humanity in its vulnerability. What kind of God is this? It is God with us. Now. There are lots of kinds of with. Recently, two people on staff here at church started dating and people freaked out. News of that kind of with travels pretty fast. And if you're in Philadelphia, the word with takes on a special meaning. When you order your cheesesteak, you have to say with or without, and that indicates whether or not you want grilled onions, a defining element of your sandwich. But this Jesus kind of with is deeper than it first seems. It's not just God coming alongside us or even being among us, though it is those things too. The British novelist Dorothy Sayers put it like this. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience. From the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, death, despair. He was born in poverty and died in disgrace and thought it well worthwhile. That's what it means that God is with us. Have you ever shared a problem with somebody who just didn't get it? They just couldn't understand what you were going through. They had no experience with it. My daughter Margo and I have been going through online kindergarten together this year. I'm the primary teacher four days a week. And our actual kindergarten teacher from Beresford Elementary, she is great. Teachers are some of the true heroes of 2020. But online kindergarten is just really tough. And when I complain to people about online kindergarten, which I frequently do, they say things like, I can't even imagine what that must be like. They just simply have no frame of reference for that sort of thing. But a few weekends ago, Margo and my son Frankie, who's three and I, we were at Home Depot and we were in the socially distanced line. Everyone was six feet apart and the line wrapped all the way around the store. And the guy right behind me in the line leaned in and said, what, are your kids maybe about two and five? And I said, yeah, about that. And then he leaned in even closer with his eyes wide and said, online kindergarten is the worst. 
And then I didn't even know this guy, but he told me all about being the primary teacher for his daughter and their struggles with online kindergarten. And then he said, bro, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would give you a hug. I need a hug. And after I checked out, he called out to me, hang in there, bro, we can do this. This dude got it. He was in it. He was with me. And this is the kind of with that God is. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience. He knows your pain. Jesus gets it. What kind of God is this? It is God with us. And so when this God of untold power and goodness becomes a frail and tiny human child, they declare, you are to give him the name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is the name of God. And at Christmas, we are celebrating this grand cosmic promise. God is with us. Elsewhere in the stories about Jesus's birth, an old man named Simeon meets the baby Jesus for the first time and he exclaims, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So the arrival of Jesus at Christmas time represents not only the solidarity of God with humanity, not only that God is now with us, but that God is available to us all. Part of the wondrous mystery of Christmas is that in Jesus Christ, God is universally available to every human alive. Life without lack is universally available because God is offered to be with each and every one of us if we want him to. And this is the miracle and mystery of Christmas. Permanently, universally, powerfully, intimately, God with us. God with us. Why? 
to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring life. God with us. With, a word that means close, connected, present, paying attention. And it matters greatly who or what is close, connected, present, and paying attention. It matters who exactly is with you. Recently, I overheard my kids, Margot and Frankie, discussing something amongst themselves. They were playing Legos. And my son, Frankie, said, I get scared when it's too dark in my room, Margot. And right as they played Legos, Margot said, so do I, Frankie. So do I. It's a precious little conversation, a snippet into their friendship, something I will always treasure. And my first guess was that they were scared to be alone, that that's what fear of the dark was. In fact, I wrote up a part of this talk about the existential insight that the universal human fear of darkness was really at its heart, a deep cry to be with someone. And then I realized they aren't scared of the dark because they're alone. They're scared of the dark precisely because they're afraid they might not be alone that in their imagination, someone or something might be in there with them. And then I realized that they might be scared when they're in their room and I'm in the living room. And they might be scared of the dark when I'm in the hallway right outside their room. But when I come in and lay right down beside them, they are no longer afraid. They can fall asleep. It matters greatly who is with you in the dark. And so we must examine the character of this good shepherd who's promised to be permanently and universally with us. Now, one of the most important things about your life will be what you think about God, what kind of person you think God is. If you imagine God to be far off and disinterested, well, that's gonna determine some things about your life. And if you imagine that God is mad all the time, well, that's gonna determine some things about your life. So let's take a look. God is with us, but what is he like? Now, you can broadly categorize the characteristics of the God of the Bible into two categories, his goodness and his power. If God is powerful, but without goodness, then he's terrifying. But if God is good without power, then he's ineffective. And Psalm 23 is a poem about a series of behaviors that require both goodness and power. And so in Psalm 23, the good shepherd gives rest and refreshes and guides and comforts and provides and anoints and gives goodness and mercy and love. And these, of course, point to the larger story of the God of the Bible, where God creates and sustains and rescues and purifies and provides and instructs and saves and redeems and restores. And among these character traits of God, one that is maybe the most amazing is that he knows you. He knows just what you're doing as you listen along to this service. He knows just what you're thinking about. He knows what worries you most. He knows your dearest ambition. He knows your name. When Jesus says that he is the good shepherd in John chapter 10, he says, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And the practical impact of this kind of God being with you, a God of goodness and power who knows your name, is that you don't have to be afraid. In Psalm 23, there's a deep promise. Because of the kind of God that this is, when you enter the worst moments of your life, you don't have to be afraid because this God is with you. And in the stories about Jesus's birth, the announcements that he's going to be born frequently begin with the simple instruction, do not be afraid. 
Meaningfully, Jesus' birth is announced first to some shepherds, and an angel of God says to these shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Over the next few weeks, we're going to dwell on the ways that this God of goodness and power, this good shepherd, is with you and how that might totally, completely change your life. Next week, our transitional pastor, John Crosby, will explore the reality that if the good shepherd is with me, I can have peace. And after that, we'll look at how if the good shepherd is with me, I can have joy. And if peace and joy are things you're interested in, well, then tune in. But this transcendent peace and joy we're gonna be talking about are derived from the Christmas truth that God is with you. And because of that, you don't have to be afraid. And living into this reality can transform your life. You can live a life without lack. Dallas Willard put it this way. There is absolutely nothing that God lacks. We must understand this because the overflowing sufficiency that we will experience when God is our shepherd lies in the all-sufficiency of the shepherd himself. If we don't understand the all-sufficiency of the shepherd, we will never experience that sufficiency in relationship to him. What we need, God has in infinite supply. And like the nation of Israel in the Bible, we too require a long, steady education in this direction. Those who take time to increasingly come to know and trust God as he truly is are laying the sure foundation of a life without lack. And then Dallas goes on. Jesus taught us to not be afraid of those who can kill the body. He also discussed other fears that people have, each of which he gently and intelligently dismissed. You can live completely without fear. God is the kind of God who, if you place yourself in his hands in trust, will ensure that nothing can ever happen to you that will make you say, I am afraid or I don't have enough. Let me say this again. No matter what you fear, you can live without that fear. Because God is with you, you can live life without fear. And this is the Christmas truth. The good shepherd is with you.
Hosanna, rejoice, rejoice, O come, Emmanuel. That is the good news. The good shepherd is with us. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid. And yet, and yet, we live in an anxious world. In about 1880, the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche declared, God is dead. And since then, humans have increasingly thought of themselves as their own shepherds. Now, Nietzsche hoped that humans would become capable of thriving on our own without help from or reference to God. This was a great act of hope. Hope that humanity would figure it out on our own. That as our own shepherd, we could save ourselves. But that's not how it turned out. We haven't figured it out. One of the most thoughtful leaders of the last century was Vaclav Havel, the first president of the Czech Republic. He lived a fascinating life, living through the Holocaust and then Soviet communism and eventually Western-style democratic capitalism. It's a great Wikipedia read. I highly recommend it. And he had this unique vantage point from with which to peer deeply into both socialism and capitalism. And he was not optimistic that either could eventually save us. He thought that neither could solve the greatest of human problems. And in a speech right here at Stanford, he said this, pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy alone enough. A turning to and seeing of God is needed. And then he added, the human race constantly forgets humanity is not God. The story that the world tells itself is this. We will eventually figure things out apart from God. But even the world's top scientists are buying that story less and less. The idea that humanity is its own shepherd has given way to what I call noble despair. Carlo Rovelli, maybe the world's leading physicist, wrote a great little book called Seven Brief Lessons on Physics. It's a great stocking stuffer if you're still doing your Christmas shopping. And in that book, he concludes at the end this. I believe that our species will not last long, he wrote. It does not seem to be made of the stuff that has allowed the turtle, for example, to continue to exist more or less unchanged for hundreds of millions of years. We belong to a short-lived genus of species. All of our cousins are already extinct. And what's more, we do damage. The brutal climate and environmental changes that we have triggered are unlikely to spare us. For Earth, they may turn out to be a small, irrelevant blip but I do not think that we will outlast them unscathed. I fear that soon we shall have to be the only species that will knowingly watch the coming of its own collective demise. And these are pretty dark thoughts. It matters greatly who is with you in the dark. And even though this is a philosophical conversation that happened over a couple centuries, every one of us feel it today the sense that we are on our own, that help isn't coming, that we are our own shepherds. The New York Times declared a few years ago that we are now living in the age of anxiety. And they cited studies that show depression and anxiety have been on the rise for decades. And the end of this essay concludes, we live in an ethos of relentless worry and agitation. Panicked strivers are the caricatures of the moment. Are you guilty of panicked striving? I know that I often am. And we are driven to panicked striving because of the belief that we are our own shepherds. And the New York Times declared these things prior to 2020. 2020 has made our collective anxiety what psychologists call way worse. Sometimes they just use normal words. 
And the journalist Johan Hari in his fantastic TED talk made the argument that non-biological factors are actually the main causes of anxiety and depression. Often the first guess at a cause for anxiety or depression are biological factors, brain chemistry issues to be solved through medication. And those kinds of medications are good and helpful. I've spent time on those medications as have other pastors I know and some who are on staff here. But he's making the case that the main cause isn't brain chemistry. The main cause of depression and anxiety is living with unmet needs. Without love or connection or hope, these are basic psychological needs. And if we are our own shepherds, they're hard to come by. So if you're feeling anxious or depressed, you're not broken. You're not malfunctioning. You're not defective. You're living quite unsustainably with unmet needs. And these unmet needs tend to accumulate when we are our own shepherds. And so during this terrible year, during the age of anxiety, it is countercultural to be afraid, to have peace, to have joy. You see, the Christmas story, the arrival of the Good Shepherd to be with us, speaks directly to these cultural and philosophical developments that none of us can name, but we can all feel. So like a light dawning upon us, a great contrast stands before us. Am I my own shepherd or is the Lord my shepherd? If I believe the story that the world tells me that I'm my own shepherd, then I am all alone. Then it is all up to me and I am overwhelmed and maybe hopeless. If it's all up to me at work, I become a panicked striver. And in world issues, either noble despair or desperation for control. In my soul, restlessness, agitation, anxiety. But if I believe the story that the Bible tells me, then I am not alone. Someone is always with me. It is not all up to me. I am in the care of another and I am not overwhelmed. The Lord is with me, even in the darkest valley. And therefore, I'm not afraid. At work, I'm not panicked. I'm not striving, but I am servant-hearted, putting others before myself. In world events, not despair or desperation, hopeful engagement, not restlessness, but peace and joy. If I am my own shepherd, everything is scarce and I am always hurried. But if the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing and I can rest. It is a stark contrast. We can live afraid in darkness or we can live unafraid. Over Thanksgiving, we watched Return of the Jedi with my family and for Margot, my daughter, it was the first time. And in the final scene, as Luke is fighting Darth Vader, Margot grabbed my hand and said, it's not as scary when I'm holding your hand. And my heart melted and I haven't yet recovered. But this is what life with the good shepherd can be like. Someone is with you in the darkness. And so this great contrast brings us a choice. Will we look to God as our shepherd or will we look to ourselves?
Hallelujah, indeed. This is the Christmas truth. This God is closer than you know. Even if you don't believe in him, even if you've failed him, even if you've ignored him, even if you've lost sight of him in 2020. And so Jesus is inviting you to give yourself into the care of the shepherd this Christmas season. And this Emmanuel baby who grew up to be the man Jesus spent three years walking from town to town announcing the good news that you can be in the care of the good shepherd. And crowds came to listen and consider what he had to say. And some made Jesus their shepherd and went on to live lives without lack. And some didn't. Whatever your beliefs, wherever you're coming from this Christmas season, come and listen and consider. Or elsewhere, this good shepherd says, taste and see that I am good. This Christmas, come to the table that the good shepherd has prepared for you, even if it's just for a taste. For the next couple weeks, Put yourself into the care of the good shepherd, even if it's just to see if he is as good as he says he is. Get into the habit of imagining Jesus with you as you work from home or walk around the block or prepare dinner or complete the online Christmas shopping. Or if you're very sick or very worried about finances, or even if you're teaching online kindergarten, get into the habit of imagining Jesus there with you, offering you that infinite supply of goodness and mercy with you in your life. This Christmas season, experiment with not being your own shepherd. To follow this Jesus is to arrange your life around experiencing him being with you, this relationship with Jesus. This week, practice turning your mind to Jesus, acknowledging that he is with you, whatever you may be doing. That is the source of peace and joy. This is the secret to a life well-lived. This is life without lack. Learning to tune into the presence of Jesus, no matter what else is going on. You and I can live lives of peace and joy. This is what Jesus wants for us. Everyone is invited into the care of the good shepherd. And this is why Christmas songs are all happy because they know the truth. Rejoice, rejoice, O come Emmanuel. Joyful all ye nations rise. This is why the angels sing, the good shepherd is on his way.
We want to thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, a great way to lean into this season is by doing something different. So we want to encourage you to commit Psalm 23 to memory. Bonus points if you memorize the King James Version for all the these and thous. We also want to remind you that we are so close to wrapping up our 90 days of prayer and fasting, but there's still time left to absorb that experience and lean in. It'll be going until Christmas Eve, and so we'd love for you to engage in prayer and fasting with us this season. We love you, and we'll see you next week.